the table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old, to share stories, to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts What an amazing week we've had so far, and uh, you saw highlights of last week's uh, before the holidays, and it was just an awesome time with all the ladies here and uh, just taking over. And that's one of our rally points, and rally points here at Bethany are simply that they're rallying various people together for one common cause. And so you'll be hearing of more rally points that will be coming in the coming months, and we'll have a men's rally point. We'll probably be doing like a men's rally point that will be a men's retreat. Come on, men in the house, get away not have anything at you. I only hear ladies clapping right now. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but uh, it'll be great. It'll be great. And uh, also there'll be a, a women's retreat as well uh, that will be happening. Men, that was your opportunity to return, but it didn't happen. That's all right. Come on, men, wake up. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> Hey, we are in this series called Around the Table. It's a series focusing on the giving of thanksgiving. I mean, I hope that last week you were challenged by the word picture that we presented to you last week, the idea of bondage and the idea of what debt actually does to us, how it actually enslaves us as God's people. And if, if you have not seen last week's message. If you weren't able to be here, you can always check it out online. If you're watching online, you haven't seen it yet. Man, I encourage you, go back to week two uh, on bondage. I'm telling you, it was just an amazing, amazing message. And I don't say that because I preached it. Um, I'm saying that because I believe that if we can get a hold of that message and we can begin to walk that out. Now, I know that's a process for all of us, but if we'll begin to walk that out, I believe we will find ourselves in a place of freedom in the years to come that we never imagined. It was so cool. Last night I was at a wedding, and our very own Ivy Gray actually got married. She's on staff with us here. She got married to Chase, and it was a beautiful wedding and everything, and, and we're sitting there, and I'm sitting at the table with uh, someone from the church here, and he said, you know, man, the message has been so challenging to me, and he said, I, I can't wait for the day when we're completely out of debt. 
He's like, I, I actually got a picture of it. And Pastor Ron came in this morning and was talking with me, and he's like, man, I just, I've gotten a picture of, of what it can look like. And, and he doesn't carry other debt other than his mortgage. But he's like, man, I was thinking, man, what if my mortgage was completely paid off? What kind of freedom would I have there? And, and the thing that I think is so exciting is that there's hope that I believe is beginning to rise. And so let it rise. Let it rise in your heart. Let it rise in your lives. I went to the store this week, and, and I was in, at Gabe's. And if you don't know where Gabe's is in Toledo, it's like, it's like one of my favorite places because clothes are really cheap, and they're normally named brand and stuff, but it's always hit and miss. And so I happened to be returning a pair of jeans there, and so I always got to kind of do a little walkthrough and to see if there's any great deal. And I found this jacket and uh, I was so excited about this jacket. It was a Gore-Tex jacket, which, you know, are really expensive. Looked at the price tag. The thing was like $360. But it wasn't that price at Gabe's. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a good deal. It was only $150. And I'm sitting there in my mind, and I'm like, oh, $150. That's a lot of money. But, man, what a great deal. I mean, a $360 jacket for that price. Oh my goodness. And I tried it on. I looked in the mirror and I was like, man, I look good in this thing. Like just think all the games I'll be at. I'll be, I'm waterproof. I mean, I'm, I'm justifying it all in my mind, right? All these different things are going through my mind. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And all of a sudden that small, still voice in the back of my mind said, Brian, bondage. And I was like, it looks so good. <laughs> and then my mind said, no, you can pay cash for it. And, I was, and that's how my mind just you can pay cash for it. And then my mind said, but that cash needs to be going towards your debt. So I took that jacket off, and I hung it back on the hanger, and I walked out of the store not buying anything. I was so excited about that moment that I told Kasha about it. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, I am laser focused on getting out of debt. The question is, is will we stay? Some of us, man, after last Sunday's message, you were ready to go. You were rearing. Like, you took the book home. You started reading. You were like, I am in it to win it. And now you're about here. And now you're starting to wonder, can I really do this? Can, can I really put these principles in play? Is this, is this really what I want to be doing coming into the Christmas season? Is this, is this really, I mean, all those Black Friday sales look so, so good. I mean, they have some really good deals out there. I mean, Walmart is tearing the competition apart. But the question is, is will you stay focused? The question is, is will this Thanksgiving season be a season of you celebrating the things you're thankful for, just like we did in the gathering today? Think of how powerful that was just to sit there in a moment and to say thanks to God for the blessings he's put on your life. Just to sit there and write out some things that you're thankful for. To write out things in your life. And you know what's funny? Not one thing that I wrote down now thinking about it had anything to do with anything I've ever bought. I did not write down. Did, I, did you? I didn't write down, thank you for my car, thank you for my house, thank you for my clothes. You know, I didn't say thank you for any of those things. 
Isn't it interesting how we'll sit around the table this Thanksgiving season and we'll all gather around and we'll list things that we're thankful for. And most of the time, the things that we'll list will not be anything that we actually still owe on. Like, I don't owe any money for my family. God blessed me with them. I don't owe anything for, for this church. Like, God blessed me with that. And that's one of the things I wrote down was, was this church body that I'm thankful for. I wrote down my staff. I wrote down the, my family. I wrote down my wife specifically because she doesn't just get the family category. She actually gets the wife category. She puts up with a lot. <laughs> that was your moment for amen, but it's all right. <laughs> you love me. I know. I know. She was thinking it. So how many of you ever watched the show Biggest Loser? How many, how many out there look? All right, I know, I know it's not going anymore or anything like that, but Kasha and I used to love watching The Biggest Loser. There was, there was something about watching people struggle through and seeing the transformation, and every week you'd, you'd tune back in to see them get on the scales and to see them lose more weight and all these things. And, and in season 15, we had the privilege, actually, of having a young lady from our kids' ministry. Her name was Marie Pearl. This is actually her. And uh, she was in our kids' ministry. She was one of our kids who grew up there and, and, and became one of our kids' leaders and stuff like that. And uh, all of a sudden, Kasha and I were living up here, and, and all of a sudden we see through Facebook and different things that Marie is actually on The Biggest Loser. And this is her transformation, and she ends up losing 111 pounds. Uh, came in second place to another, to another young lady. She lost 44% of her body. <laughs> 44%. And I remember sitting there watching that season unfold and watching her struggle through things. Watching people who, who took a lifetime of putting bad habits in place struggle through a season in their life where they were trying to make change. It breaks my heart to think of those stories and to think about how many people find themselves in bondage just when it comes to their physical body. How so many of us just continue to pack on and pack on. And before you think this message is about that, it's not. But I think that we can relate to the principle there. And that is this, is that you don't get heavy overnight. It takes time. Just like you don't lose weight overnight. And how many of you know that stinks? Like, I wish that's how it worked. I wish there was some magic pill I could pop and my clothes would start fitting more. I'm very limited on shirts right now because my belly is so large right now. It's embarrassing. That's why I don't ever turn sideways on you because it's like, it's like you just don't do that. It's a good front shot, not a side shot. I know, the cameras back there are like, I know, I know. But here's the thing, it doesn't happen overnight. Just like finances doesn't happen overnight. Some of you went home, you started writing out your debts, you started writing out your income, you started writing out things, and here's what happened. You started writing those things out, and all of a sudden, all that hope, all that excitement you had, all of a sudden went bye-bye. Because all of a sudden, the reality hits you of actually where you're at. And I'm hoping that today, after this message, that, that hope will begin to fill you back up. But I'm going to tell you something. In order for that hope to be filled back up, it's going to require some obedience. 
It's going to require you trusting God in some areas of your life. It's going to require you to make some choices in your life. The first week that we talked about, we talked about this idea that A stands for attitude. It's your attitude. B standed for bondage. And this week we're talking about C. We're talking about choice. Your choice. Here's a question for you. What kind of choices have you made about money up until this point? What kind of choices have you made about money up until this point? Because you've made choices. Each and every one of us make choices every day. We, we make choices of how we're going to spend our money. I was at Gabe's and I made the choice not to spend the money on a jacket even though it was a really good deal. I've made the choice not to go into thrift stores, which is really hard for me right now. I'm a thrift, I'm a thrift store addict. Hi, my name's Brian. I'm addicted to thrift stores. Listen, what's your addiction? What's the thing that, that you love? Maybe it's, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm addicted to Starbucks. I know. I went after your nectar of the gods. Listen, what is it for you? Maybe it's, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I love hunting. And that's where my money goes. We're constantly making choices towards spending our money on all these various things. And then here's the next question. Where have your choices led you so far? Because if we want to see change in our lives, we can't keep doing the same things that we've always done. Because if we keep doing the same things we've always done, what are we going to get? The same things we've always gotten. So if you want freedom from debt, you can't keep going into debt. If you want freedom from debt, you can't keep living your life the same way. There has to be a shift. There has to be a change. You have to make a choice. The beauty of human creation is this, is God has allowed us to choose. He didn't make you a robot. He didn't say, I'm going to pre-program you and you will only do these certain things. No, he gave you a choice to be able to follow after him. Because how many of you know that when someone chooses to love you, it's so much better than them having to love you? When my kids choose to love me, it means so much more than just Gabe saying, oh, I got to love dad today. Because he's my dad. No, I love it when Gabe's like, I love my dad. So when he comes in still at night, says goodnight to me and gives me a hug and gives me a kiss, yep, he still does, 15 years old, he loves me. That means more to me than any moment of him having to choose to love me. Now there are some times where he has to choose to love me, right? Because there are some times where I say, no, Gabe, you can't have that. Josiah right now is, uh, he had saved up all his money, he's been saving up for a long time to get a Nintendo Switch. And so he saved his money up. He got a Nintendo Switch. He was so excited. Been saving up for a long time. And so Josiah gets it. So now his latest thing is, is now he wants video games for it. And so every day Josiah is in there trying to shenoogle some way to get a game. He's like, hey, Dad, remember, remember a while back? You remember when uh, we actually had that one game and, and actually didn't get charged to the card? And so because it didn't get charged to the card, that means I still got the money. And so he's going through, he's, he's trying to rationalize money to make it appear. And I keep looking at him and saying, Josiah, you do not have any money. Oh, yes, I do, Dad. Josiah, you do not have any money. I do have money. Josiah, you have no money because you're coming to me to ask for the money. <laughs> get it through your head. You don't have any money, kid. 
And he's like, I do. <laughs> and still, in his mind, he still thinks he does. Choice, by definition, is this. The act of choosing the right power or opportunity to choose. It's this idea of the act of choosing. Now, I hate it when definitions will use a part of the word in the definition, right? So it's like, so the parentheses right there is, is actually the definition of choose. It means to prefer or to decide. So you have the right or the power or the opportunity to prefer or to decide what you do with your money. You have the choice to do it. No one's holding a gun to your head and saying, you have to spend your money this way, right? No one's doing that. So you have the choice to decide how you're going to spend your money each and every month. It's crazy to think about this when we think about choices and how long it takes for choices to be unmade. The biggest choice you and I actually have in our lives, I would say, is this. It's money. How you decide to spend your finances. How you decide to spend your money. It's estimated this, that a 5% of Americans actually tithe. That's what Forbes says. 5% of Americans tithe. So let's just play that out for a second. If that's true here at Bethany, that would mean if we have 600 adults on a weekend, which, which roughly we do, that would mean 30 adults tithe. You know, they say that 20% of the people are keeping the church going through serving, through giving, through all those things. What would happen if that actually switched that's what Barry Cameron and his book's talking about. It, it would change everything. It, it, everything would change in what the church could do and what, what the kingdom of God could do. So let's just think, even if, even if 10%, let's just say we're really good, so we're better than the national average of five. Let's say 10%. That would still only mean 60. 60 adults. And if tithing is one of the starting points for Christians, it's, and, and really, in many ways, it's, it's, it's elementary. It should be just a simple thing. It's a part of our lives. Man, I give, God has entrusted me with so much. Of course I'm going to trust him in this area. Of course I'm going to be obedient. But the enemy has slipped in and he's brought all these lies to us, all this confusion to us. And that's why the first week we were talking about a lot of those lies. One of those lies is, is this, is that all the church ever talks about is money. And the truth of it is, is no, the church doesn't talk about money enough. And that's why most of us find ourselves in bondage like we talked about last week. Because the church hasn't talked about it enough. The church hasn't talked about what it means to be a good steward with your finances. The church hasn't talked enough about what it means to walk in obedience and then to therefore see the blessings of God on your life. Every single one of us in this room wants the blessings of God. I've never met someone who said, no, I don't want the blessings of God. But yet, there is a principle that is attached to the blessings of God. And I would say it's very possible that many of us are not experiencing the full blessings of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to follow God with all your heart, what it means to have the windows of heaven opened up upon your life. And it comes down to one simple area, choice. The truth is, is that you and I were created in the very image of God, allowing us to choose one of the first declarations that the Bible actually makes is that you and I were created in the image of God. Now, if we were created in the image of God, let's look at the nature of God. And when we look at the nature of God, one of the things that we see is God is a giving God. He's constantly giving of himself. In fact, he gave so much of himself 
that the scriptures tell us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen, God loves you so much that he gave everything so you and I could have everything. And because we've been created in the image of God, giving should actually be contagious to our nature. You know one thing I love about the holidays is I love giving. Anyone out there love to give? Come on, don't you just, I'm not, like, if you had all the money in the world, how many of you would love to give? Come on. (laughs) There's still some of you like, "Ah, I don't really like giving that much. All right. We have a name for you. It's called Scrooge. (laughs) But it's okay. It's all right. The thing I love is, is I do love to give. I love that God gave us. Not only did he give his son, but he also gave us the word of God, the scriptures. The scriptures are powerful. The scriptures are the roadmap that God laid out for you and I to be able to live a victorious and blessed life. They're not just some ancient text that was for people long ago. No, they're actually still applied to our hearts and to our lives today. And there's so much confusion out there about the scriptures and stuff like that. And here's what I would challenge you to. Before you start making judgments on the scripture, why don't you just read them? Spend some time reading them and see what happens in your life. See what happens as you begin to dig a little deeper. I think of Lee Strobel and his quest to actually search for the truth behind God and a journalist and began doing a ton of study and began learning more and digging into the scriptures only to find what? A man who was once against Christianity, atheist and all that, ends up converting, giving his life to Christ. Why? Because he sought the scriptures and the scriptures changed his life. God has given you and I incredible, incredible things. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 through 12, a passage of scripture that's used a lot when it comes to to tithing, and and a passage of scripture that some of you right now have been taught some things, maybe even against it, things like, oh, that's just the Old Testament that doesn't even apply to today. Some of you are still searching in your Bibles right now, trying to find out where it is. It's right before Matthew, okay? So that's an easy one to find, right before Matthew. I love how Robert Morris in his book, The Blessed Life, puts it. He says, I was talking with the Lord about the idea of Malachi still being in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. He says, and I was kind of arguing with him. Come on, God, like six chapters more, and you could have put it in the New Testament, and the whole excuse that everyone has about that, that that's Old Testament wouldn't be applicable to today. And what he ends up saying is... is um, He said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said to him, I put them exactly where I wanted them. If I had put them in the New Testament, it wouldn't be that much of a test. And remember, I did throw in verse 6 for you where he says, I do not change. (laughs) Now that will make a whole lot of sense here in a moment as we read this passage here in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. It says, for I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. That's a good thing. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? These questions that are constantly going, and can I just tell you, it's okay. God can handle your questions. He can handle any question you throw at him. So they throw a question, how how shall we return 
And then he says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. So then another question comes up. You say, how have we robbed you? God, how, how, have we, how have we robbed you? And he goes on to say this. In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And I love this because then he says, and thereby put me to the test. The one spot in scripture where God actually says, you can test me in this. You can test me and see if I will not do this. He says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That's a good thing. But it doesn't end there. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Now pause there for a minute. What God is saying is, listen, I'm not only going to open up the, the windows of heaven of blessing upon your life, I'm literally going to continue to bless the very things you have right now. Your roof on your house is going to last longer. Your car is going to run longer. All these different things that God is going to bless you in. But I'll tell you, the enemy always loves to come at us, doesn't he? He always loves to come at us and, and tries to get us to, to get focused on the problems that we have around us. But then here's what happens. It says this. He ends this. He says, Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. When I think of Kasha and Amaya's life, we have not lived it perfect. We have not always... We, we have, there have been times even where we've walked in disobedience in our own lives. But the thing that I can confidently say is that we have trusted God in the area of tithe and offering in our lives, and we've constantly been saying, okay, God, we're getting this right. And even if there was a month where things got behind, and there have been months like that where that did, we always would get that thing caught back up. Because why? Because would, we recognize in our, in our minds that our home was outside of a covering. I don't want that. I need God's covering. So the first week we spoke on uh, this whole idea, and it was on attitude, right? Remember A? It was all on attitude. So after church, I decided uh, that we were going to go into Toledo, and we were going to grab a bite to eat because I had to return those, that pair of jeans, and so we were going to do that. Someone caught me on the way out and said, hey, can you give me a ride home? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And, and they happened to be out that way towards Toledo, and so we're going out that way, and as we're going, they say to me, hey, Pastor Brian, you know, a lot of times my, my, my area where I live, it gets flooded, the road gets flooded, and I'm like, oh, no big deal, I'm a man, we can go through anything like that. So I start talking all big, and Kasha's like, yeah, he treats my minivan like it's a four by four, and I'm like, yeah, I do, I'm a man, I'm a man. So we go in, and the first puddle, you know, which is pretty deep, we hit it, and boom, we, we just sail through it. I'm a man, I'm a man. He says, hey, you know, a lot of times when they go around that corner and everything, they'll actually go up on the sidewalk, and they'll kind of just go through slowly up on the sidewalk. I'm like, I'm a man, I can get through this, I can do this. So I hit this puddle of water that happened to be like two and a half feet deep. And the water comes, boom, flying up on my car. I mean, like, like we had taken it into the ocean. I'm not joking. And 
just floods over and all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh man. So then I gun it more because I'm like, I got to get out of this stuff. This is a lot deeper than I thought. And then all of a sudden we're in it. And I'm making all these weird noises, right? I'm like, this is not good. And all of a sudden, boom, it dies. And I'm in the water. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, uh, this is embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get out of the water. So I ended up getting out of the water. I pull my pant legs up, take my shoes off, push us up out of the water. And then one of the people who drove by and laughed at us (laughs) (laughs) said, ah, you just got to let the water drain out for a little bit. No big deal. Just let it drain out and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. I was like, okay, no big deal. So we're sitting there, let it wait for a while, it's still raining, go to start it again, it makes even more horrible noises. So I'm like, ah, oh, maybe we shouldn't start it anymore. And so then I go online, and then Kasha reads online, she's like, it says, uh, just push the gas pedal all the way to the floor, and then start it, and it'll be good. So we do that, and then it makes even worse noises. And then pretty soon I had to finally say, it's dead. So we called the towing company, they came and got us, towed us out which was embarrassing. Brought it over to um, Precision Auto Care and let it sit over there, and they were like, oh, it probably won't be that big of a deal. Fast forward, the motor blew on it. Completely, I mean, destroyed it. Um, had to have the whole motor replaced, the whole works, I mean, all that stuff. And as Kasha and I were sitting there in the car, we're sitting there, in, and uh, the person that was in there was concerned. You know, I'm so sorry that this happened. And, and it's my fault, right? I'm the dummy. Kasha <laughs> is like, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, he had, he had even said, Pastor Brian, why don't you just pull into the grocery store and just drop me off and I'll just go back there. And I'm like, oh, I got this on my man. Got a minivan. <laughs> Blew the whole motor on it. Now, praise God for insurance. Praise God for all of that. Praise God for Precision Auto Care. I mean, they, they put a, a, a motor in it. I mean, we had 75,000 miles on it. The blessing is we got a motor put in it that had only 50,000 miles on it. Come on, that's a good thing. They detailed the whole thing. That thing looks like brand new, man. They cleaned the inside of it, did all this stuff. I mean, like they really took care of us over there. And I, So, I mean, that was a blessing and everything. But I'm telling you, in the midst of it, my attitude honestly was like, okay, God's got this. Now, you know why I could have that attitude? You know why I wasn't freaking out? It's because I made a choice a long time ago in my life to follow God's principles. So it doesn't matter. I'm not going to freak out about it. I honestly have not, I have not been concerned about it at all. It's like God has taken care of us. Kasha's not been concerned about it. Why? Because God has taken care of us. Why? Because we made a choice a long time ago in our lives to trust God in our finances. And because we've done that, we know that Malachi says that the devourer will be rebuked. So that means even if the devourer tries to take the motor out of my car, or maybe it was a little bit of my own stupidity, and maybe it wasn't the enemy at all, maybe it was simply a choice I made. We give the enemy a lot more credit than what he should ever get. Maybe it was just my own choice. But God still, in the midst of it, shows his grace. See, tithing is an ordinance. It's a principle of ordinary behavior with God. 
Tithing's an ordinance. It's a principle of ordinary behavior with God. You and I should have this ordinary behavior with God. See, when it comes to our money, the real issue really is about control, isn't it? When it comes to money, the real issue is about control. The Bible's word for control is lordship. Is he lord over your finances? In, in the book, ABCs of Financial Freedom, it says this, when we eat out, most of us expect a, to tip the waiter or the waitress 15%. When we suggest 10% as a minimum to the church offering, some folks are angst against it. Think about that for a minute. We'll go out to eat all day long. That's how, that's how one of the chapters starts off in the book, ABCs of Financial Freedom. And I just, that just really caught me off guard because I was like, man, that's so true. Three things, three principles I want to share with you quickly this morning. First is this, is tithing is a test. Tithing's a test. Malachi says, test me and see. Tithing is a test. The word tithe means tenth. What does the number ten represent? I mean, the number ten represents so many different things throughout the scriptures. But God is testing our hearts in this. He's testing your heart. He's testing my heart. And he's saying to you and I, listen, test me in this, I dare you. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the, the floodgates of heaven. Test me in this and, and see if I will not rebuke the devourer. Test me in this and see if I will not cause your goods to continue to flourish, your goods to continue to move forward. Test me in this. I mean, it seems so simple. If I tithe, I'm under a blessing. If I don't, I'm under a curse. Hmm. Think about that for a second. If I tithe, blessed. If I don't, I'm cursed. It's not really hard to pick, folks. But yet we do. We, we, we create it into this big thing. And people will always fight back. People will say things like, well, Jesus bore the curse of the law, so I don't have to be cursed as a Christian. That's true. But did he also bear sin? Yeah? Yeah, Jesus bore the sins. Okay, he did, didn't he? And do you ever sin? Well, yeah. Hmm. Did he bear sickness on the cross? Yes. Do you ever get sick? Yeah. See, tithing was part of the law. And people will say that, and they'll say, and I'm not under the law, so that's why I don't tithe. But here's the thing. I want to tell you, there are some lies out there about somebody that I want to tell you about. So, so I heard that Sis Clay the other day um, was over at the bar. <laughs> and let's just say the drink she had was not clear substance. <laughs> she was over there, and I'm just telling you, I just wanted to tell you that because it's okay that I tell you and gossip about Sis Clay because I'm not under the law anymore. So it's not that big of a deal, okay? Now, I did not see Sis at the bar. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I saw her at the convenience store, and she was getting a pack of, um, no, I'm just joking. I didn't see <laughs> I didn't see her getting anything. 
if it was right under the law, it doesn't mean that it's wrong now. And, and, and here's the other thing. Remember, tithing was a part of the Christian walk well before the law ever was. In fact, scholars would say this, 2,500 years before the law ever even came into existence, tithing was being practiced. It was a part of it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Do you not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is Jesus saying this, For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes, and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about that for a minute. Then in verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said that those of old you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But then he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, I'm going to raise the bar for you. I'm not calling to you just to live according to the law. I'm actually calling you to live above it. I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you to be different in your life. I'm calling you to live differently, to think differently, to act differently. I'm calling you to be above those other religious leaders who would just try to do the minimum. He goes on to say this in verse 27, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. God's like, listen, I'm not interested just in, in the act. He's like, listen, if you're thinking those things and you're dwelling on those thoughts and you're taking that in, you've already committed the act in itself. What God is calling you and I to is a higher standard. And there's nothing wrong with that. Remember, we came out of a series prior to this called Different. It's okay to be different. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to be different. Some of you didn't. Look to your neighbor and say, it's okay to be different. See, the righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. The righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. I don't tithe because I give according to grace. Oh, that's fantastic. Then that means you give more than 10%. Number two, tithing's biblical. Tithing is biblical. Many people who don't tithe believe that it's not biblical. But here's, some people say, man, Malachi doesn't apply. Here's a few other ones for you. Genesis 14, 18 says, while Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine, he was the priest of God, the most high, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then it says this, And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham, our spiritual father, tied to Melchizedek, which would represent Jesus, 500 years before the law was ever created. God tested Abraham then with Isaac. Think about that. God's always testing these individuals throughout, just like he's testing us today. Genesis 28, verse 22 says, And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that I give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob, is who it's talking about, gave a tenth to the Lord, 400 years prior to the law. 400 years prior to the law. 
Leviticus 27.30 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe is holy to the Lord. Listen, it's his. But it's not only his. It's like we talked about the first week of the series. It's all his. Not just 10%, all of it's his. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 12, or 2 says this, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall take possession of it and live in it. You shall take some of its first of all its fruit of the ground, which is the harvest of your land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in the basket. And you shall go to the place of the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. The first fruits of everything in your house is to go to the Lord. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And this is Jesus talking here. And he says this, he says, For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, so they're tithing, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These ought to you have done without neglecting the others. What Jesus is saying in the New Testament is you ought to tithe. In fact, I think in Jesus' mind, he's like, that's just a part of it. Like, that's a part of the lifestyle that we live. We live a life that's tithing consistently. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 through 6 says this, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say that the Lord is our helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Listen, you and I can live confidently in the midst of the things we're facing because we live a tithed life. I didn't worry about my van. And I honestly didn't know whether insurance would take care of it or not. But you know who I did know would take care of it? God. Every bit of it. I knew he, would, I knew he had my back. I was simply trying to help bring someone home. That was it. Now, was a little bit of my own flesh in there, my own macho-ness in there? Yes. Am I very macho in a minivan anymore? No. <laughs> I'm not. Don't even pretend anymore. I just... It's a minivan. It's not a Jeep. It's not anything four by four. It's not, it's, it's not meant to go through water. I understand. I will not do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Babe, sorry. <laughs> Number three is this. Tithing is a benefit. Now remember it says this. Thereby put the Lord to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Your vine in the field shall not fare to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, tithing is a benefit. It's a blessing to yours and my life. Let me make this statement. Now, before I make this statement, let me, I need a volunteer real quick. Just need a volunteer. Let's see. I need a young volunteer. A young volunteer, like a. Here we go. Right. How about? How about? Hey, young lady, will you come? Will you come up here real quick? No, no. What about you, young man? Come on, come on up here. I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> all right, come on up here. There's no chains involved. Nothing like that. Okay. All right. All right, here's the deal. 
All right, I got a buck, so come right over here. So I got a dollar for you, okay? This is a dollar, right? So that's yours. Put it in your pocket. Okay? You're like, oh, this is a good deal, right? You get a buck, all right? Now, if you were to tithe on that dollar, it would be what? Ten cents, yep. So it'd be ten cents is what it would be. Do you have ten cents on you? You do? All right. Well, you have a dollar. That's true. All right. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. I actually have a dime for you, okay? So go ahead, and, and here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this dime in your hand, all right? And I want you to close it, and I want you to keep your hand closed, clenched fist, okay? Just like that. Got it? Real tight? Now, here's the thing. I gave him a dollar for coming up here, all right? He would, if he was to tithe on that dollar, the way he would tithe is he would give 10 cents. So he's got 10 cents in his hand, right? Now, if he gives it to God, then what happens is, is it completely changes the environment. But right now, let's say that he's not going to tithe. He's like, no, nope, I'm not going to tithe. So keep that hand clenched just like that. And God's like, man, I want to bless you. I want to I bless your life. And so God comes over and he's like, let me, let me put some blessing in your life. Now, okay, remember I said keep it clinched? There he goes, trying to steal from God. All right, keep that clenched. I'm going to take that dollar back. And so I come in and I say, no, 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 I, I, wanna, I really do. I want to I wanna bless, bless your life. See, when our hand is clenched holding on to the thing, the very thing that we're like, man, no, this is what I, this, I can't, I can't do it. I just, I can't. The posture is completely different. God's like, I want to bless you, and it just keeps bouncing off. But, but what happens when he, we already know what happens when he opens his hand. <laughs> But go ahead and open your hand up, all right? And, and, and we come in and God's like, here, 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 let me, give you, let me give you a little bit more. In fact, go ahead and just put both hands up there, okay? Just go ahead and put both hands up there and it's like, and God's like, let me just keep pouring into your life. And all of a sudden, when we start living our lives open-handed and say, no, God, I'm, I'm gonna trust you in this, what happens is, is we're able to then receive from God the very thing. But see, when we don't, yeah, come on, give a big clap for that because that's good. See, when, when we don't, when we try to hang on to it, you just let it go, just let it go. That's what happens. See, God designed you and I to be individuals who gave. His image that he created you and I to be like is to be individuals who give. And because we give, God blesses us and blesses our lives. Can you give, give him a big hand? You can get to keep that dollar, okay? So you can hang on to it all day long. You can put yourself in a posture of saying, no, 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 that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. It's all mine. And you keep your hands held like this. And God's like, I can't bless this. But he says, I can bless this. 
And I promise you, promise you, that if you will trust God in your life, you will see the blessings of God in your finances when you trust him. I promise you, I promise you, I've, I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in other people's lives. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? All these things will be added unto you. Listen, all these things, all the things, all those desires, all those things that you're longing for. But here's what I found about life, is that many times the things I think I desire in the moment, right? Like, I gotta have it now are many times the things that when it really comes down to it and I sit down and I take a moment to say thank you are not the things I'm saying thank you for. And could it be that there are things that are much more important? So here's the question. What choice will you make? The path to financial freedom in your life centers around, I truly believe this, it centers around obedience. It centers around the tithe. Like the path in your life to financial freedom, that's what, that's what he talks about here. You know, I know some of you are like, man, I still need more. Then read it. It's inside of the book. He talks about all of it inside of there. He does an excellent job of unpacking this whole idea of the tithe and everything. And I just challenge you to do that. And here at Bethany, here, we'll, we'll even make it even easier for you. We have a 90-day tithe challenge, and here's what that means. You, you, sign, you just sign a covenant that says, I will faithfully tithe for 90 days. And if at the end of the 90 days you have not seen God open up the storehouse of heaven, and you have not seen him rebuke the devourer on your life, we'll give you every penny back. You're like, come on, seriously? Seriously? We'll give you every penny back. Why? Pastor Brian, how can you do that? Because it's the one area in the Bible where God says, test me. So test them. We'll make it easy for you. Test them. Then 90 days, you haven't seen God's blessings in it? Come in. We'll give you every penny back. You may say, Pastor Brian, have you ever had anyone ask? I haven't had anyone ask yet. But does that mean that we wouldn't give it back? No, we would give it back. I've talked to other pastor friends who have done it, and they have given people back their money. Now, here's the thing. You may say, well, so that means God doesn't work. No, I think there's something a little more to it. But we ain't holding on to it because it's not ours. It's his. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room today. Simple question. Are you going to choose to live with your hand closed up or are you going to live, live open-handed? See, when we tithe, we get to open our hands to God who will not be outgiven. When we tithe and we trust him, that's what happens. Father, across this room, God, are people in so many different stages in their walk with you. Father, there are people who have been trusting you in their life for a long time. There have been people who have been faithfully giving, lived a generous life in their lives for a long time. Father, others who are maybe just starting off, Maybe others who are thinking about it right now. And God, no matter where people are today, Father, I just pray right now against the spirit of condemnation. Father, your word says that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. 
This is the message, God, of, of just simply challenging us, God, to live a life, God, of obedience. A life where we will see the blessings that you have for us bestowed upon us and poured out upon us. Father, I pray that today would be a day like no other or a day where we would simply trust you in our lives. Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave of himself so you and I could have freedom. And maybe today you find yourself sitting here, listening even online, and you haven't experienced that freedom yet. God is reaching out to you with this gift, and he's saying, here it is, but you have to receive it. That gift is forgiveness of sin. That gift is freedom from sin. That gift is is a brand new home in heaven. That gift is something that he is freely giving to you. The word of God tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And maybe today you haven't accepted that free gift. And God right now is saying, I gave myself for you. all across this room as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe today you haven't accepted that free gift and it's okay because this is a moment right now where God has actually strategically designed this moment for you to accept him, to to surrender your life to him right now. It's a moment for you to take that step in your relationship with him. And he desires today to forgive you of all your sin, of anything you've ever done wrong. And all you have to do is accept that free gift. So if that's you today, real quickly, I'm just going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that, but if today you know that you need to take a step in your relationship with Christ and it starts with you asking him to forgive you of your sins, if that's you, would you just real quickly just raise your hand? You would just say, that's me. I see that hand right over there. Thank you. Come on, God's just, he's reaching out to you and he's saying, listen, I love you. I'm for you. I desire relationship with you. Let's pray with these individuals right now who have raised their hand. Would you just, would you just repeat this prayer with me? Would you say, Jesus, right now, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I, right now, am accepting that free gift. Change my life. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Because now, I have you as my Lord, as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.